everyone and welcome along to your latest edition of the Monday TII Live Bulletin. My name is Craig Dennett and I'm your host this evening as we look back on what was a, a bit of an eventful night at the Rangers Hall of Fame dinner. We'll look back as well at some of the comments around Club 1872 last week and we'll start to look forward to what is a huge week in Rangers season which is which finishes off with Rangers taking on Celtic in the League Cup final at Hamden. Uh, to run through it all and to give their thoughts, I'm joined by Scott Cameron. How are you doing, Scott? Very good, mate. Uh, will an hour be long enough? That's the thing. I, I, I'm not sure an hour's ever long enough to talk about Rangers, but we always try. And we're joined by Shug as well. How are you doing, Shug? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, nerves are starting to kick in. I can't believe we get knocked out of Europe. I miss a midweek game. You don't need to be nervous about this podcast, Shug. It's fine. You've been on before. Oh, well, that as well. <laughs> uh, so let's start. Get We'll just get um, fired straight into the, the reaction uh, that we've seen over the past um, 18, 24 hours or so since the, the Hall of Fame dinner at Newhead Miston House last night, uh, where Alan McGregor, Stephen Davis and James Tavernier were all inducted into the Rangers Hall of Fame, That the first um, class of of players to be inducted since 2014 and there's it's safe to say there's been plenty of discussion around the merits of each of the players um, and the reasons behind uh, their induction and whether the timing is right and we'll get stuck into all of that uh, but before we do I'm going to hand over to Scott Cameron who's been um, keeping everyone informed of what the criteria is for um, being assessed against the Hall of Fame and for being admitted into the Hall of Fame. So, Scott, can you just um, furnish everyone with, with those details at the moment? Uh, as you know, social media is a, a minefield with regard to this sort of stuff. So, basically, since its introduction in 1998, 1999, over 80 players up until last night had been inducted. Criteria was set by Hall of Fame founders, namely Sandy Jardin, John Gregg, David Mason and David Murray. They set up five key attributes and they were service to the club, number of games, honours won at Rangers, international caps at Rangers and exceptional abilities. Um, I don't think you have to have all five, but I think uh, probably a mix. Some, I think certainly uh, a couple of the inductees last night for me tick all five boxes at this at this point but um that's the criteria that was set out 20 odd years ago yeah that's really helpful scott and thanks very much for that one um we've seen plenty of comments saying uh, good evening to everyone and please do uh, continue to interact with us in the comments as we go through this i know there'll be a couple of of key discussion points i think it's, it's fair to say then we always want to hear your opinions as well curry muncher already coming into the comments i have a funny feeling i'm going to disagree with you all um I've, I've no doubt you tend to disagree with us most most podcasts so if i make tonight any different um so let's get stuck into it i guess we'll take them one by one we'll look at, at some of the stats behind our rangers careers and we'll ask some questions about each of them first up was alan mcgregor 16 years of service at rangers 464 appearances four league titles four scottish cups five league cups 13 trophies in total. I'm I'm going to say two European finals. I realise he wasn't involved um, in in Manchester, but 
he uh, he played a massive part in getting us there. So I'm going to I'm going to give him that European final appearance as part of his his Rangers career. Shug, for you, Al McGregor deserving of his induction. Absolutely, all, uh, all the players him more than anyone. I think uh, my biggest qualm with all three is the timing of it. Uh, I don't think I think it should be a post career thing rather than whilst they're still in a career. Uh, but I can't argue any of the three. But Al McGregor certainly stands out as the one that's the one that's that had the most appearances and had the most influence over the years. You think of his big moments in old firms and European games and things like that. Uh, I've seen him. He'd been asked about his best save and he couldn't pick one. And he was recalling about four or five, and then you just it, you forget yourself just how many big saves he come up with. Yeah. Uh, one that always sticks in mind wasn't the, the biggest save ever, but the Samaras penalty at Ibrox was just one that sticks with me. But then he said some phenomenal stops against Bremen and things like that. So absolutely no problems at all while McGregor being in there. Arguably our best ever goalie, but that's just going to start another debate. Yeah, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Shug, in terms of arguably being our best ever goalie. I... Um caught the end of Andy Gorham's time with Rangers, but I didn't see a lot of it. Um, and for me in my lifetime anyway, I think Kyle McGregor is is, is, is the number one, although I, I do have a real soft spot for Stefan Kloss in there as well. Um, Scott, one of the comments already here from, from Rangers on tour saying that performance versus Werder Bremen cemented Ranger, uh, McGregor's place the Rangers Hall of Fame. I think it's hard to to disagree with that. The um that save is imprinted on I think every Rangers fan's memory. But like Shug said, there are there are plenty in there as well that have been. And I guess that that just shows the level of performance that Al McGregor has provided Rangers over the years and 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 kind of illustrates why he should be in the in the Hall of Fame. No, I mean it, there's there's no no issues at all with regard to uh, his induction. I do have there's a picture somewhere in this room of the the, the save the penalty save for Samaras. Um, so it's it's hidden some it's somewhere. But um, I Alan McGregor class. I was in Bremen that night and they absolutely. I don't know how we got out of out of Bremen that night with 1-0. McGregor had a fantastic game and I think the, the save is the one, but he had a, a number of saves that night. You know, the number of penalty saves, you think back, I, I don't know what his stats are with regard to penalty saves, but, you know, he's he, he's one you always fancy to, 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 to keep it out when there's a, a penalty against us. I know they say that doesn't happen very often, but I know... Griggs is fantastic. Um, I just hope that he ends what will be a fantastic Rangers career uh, this season with a couple of trophies um, because I think certain players, they deserve to go out in a high. He's been a Rangers player since, he, I think he said, 11 years old. You know, I mean, he's been training there for nearly 30 years. I mean, there's, there's guys on our podcast that aren't even 30, you know, and Alan McGregor's, you know, Bailey Rice, Bailey Rice was born, I think, the day that Alan McGregor was on the on the bench in Livorno back in whatever nineteen ninety nine or whatever it was. You know, I mean, it's 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 phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal, um, and well deserved. And I thought it it was nice to see. I'm speaking last night, and very he was very humbled by it. You know, he was uh, he wasn't as uh, 
Griggsy when he does press isn't he particularly you know open but I thought it came across how humbled he was and the fact that for the next so many years Alan McGregor is always going to be on that Hall of Fame board so uh, well done uh, no no issues for me yeah you've mentioned a few of the moments there I think um fellow podcast host Kyle's favourite moment might have been that uh, Mickey take that Alan McGregor did against Partick Thistle last week when he dived over, when he dived in the ball. And I think that's part of Alan McGregor's character as well that that kind of endears him to all Rangers fans because we know he's we know he's one of us and we know that um that he's really passionate about the club and he's he's always got that he's got that uh, drive to win constantly and that's what we want to see from from our players and I think that's where um Alan McGregor kind of shines almost shines above any other players that we have in the, the team at the moment because he is so so outwardly passionate about it and and he's he looks on the pitch how we all feel inside when we're watching games and I think that's why it's it's so relatable. Um and it's see Craig it just he spoke today about he knows what being a Rangers player's about and winning. And he's, it came across how frustrated he was that he hasn't won more in his second spell. You know, and he, I think Alan McGregor, we, we'll talk about the timing of the awards and all that sort of thing. Alan McGregor knows how important Sunday is. Alan McGregor will know how important and how much he wants to go out on a high. And replacing Alan McGregor as the goalkeeper will be difficult. But Alan McGregor, the dressing room, the character... The personality. It's not just about being the number one for Rangers. It's it's a, it's a bit more than that that you're actually losing with Alan McGregor when he does retire. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there were many that were saying that last summer should have been the end of Alan McGregor's Rangers career. And I will fully admit, I was I was one of them, and I still partially believe that. Although having seen the alternatives that we've had this season, maybe maybe I'm glad that he stayed on a little bit longer. But there's definitely going to be big shoes to fill um, come this summer when I think his Rangers career will will come to an end. Um, Al McGregor was joined in the Rangers Hall of Fame. Scott, I'll come to you first on this one by Stephen Davis. Run through some of Stephen Davis's stats from from being at Rangers. Eight years of service, 346 appearances, 28 goals, four league titles. Three Scottish Cups, three League Cups, ten trophies in total. He's also appeared in two European finals. He's a UK record holder for the most capped player and um, he's Rangers' most capped player ever. Um, reaction was almost a 100% agreement on, on his induction, Scott, and um, it, it, it comes across as, still comes across as such a humble, humble guy and it, it, it's great to, to see how much it meant to him. Ah, he, he ticks, I mean, we, we spoke about the criteria, you know, he more than ticks the five boxes, you know, again, you're going to lose an unbelievable pro, a great influence on the dressing room, the young players set standards, uh, it's a real shame that the injury has uh, obviously curtailed his, his season and we, we don't know if he's going to play for Rangers again, but across two spells, he's been, he's been fantastic and I'm sure that you know the middle of the park he would have he would have contributed under Beal you know I think you know he maybe wouldn't have started a lot of games you know but just the old head come on and control things you know and he's changed as his careers went he's changed for the player that was with us first time round 
you know, but he's been a fantastic player and just a just a great a great guy. You, you always see him the same way. He's just he just comes across as just a really really get, great guy. Um, my my claim to fame is I met Stephen Davis. I, I know I've met one or two, but in twenty say twenty ten, he was on his way back from Vegas, and I bumped into him at Gatwick. Gatwick, I'd been at uh, I'd been at the the Cardiff Blackpool playoff final, and I bumped into Stephen Day, Davis at the airport, and he was rough, and I was rough, and there's a picture of the two years looking a bit the worst for wear, you know. But he's uh, he's just a great guy, and he's uh, a credit to himself, his family, and and everybody that he's involved with. Yeah, I think you've got a picture with most Rangers players ever. To have pulled on the board there, just got going by going by your collection. So no surprise you've got one with Stephen Davis. Um Curry Muncher coming into the comments saying the unsaid criteria for Hall of Fame is that you bleed red, white, and blue, and both Griggsy and Davis tick that box. I just have a problem with them still being at the club and being there, and that's a point we'll come on to shortly around the timing of it. But Shug, just on Stephen Davis, um what do what do you think it is that made Stephen Davis so special to to Rangers fans? I think he's he's like the ultimate professional. He's a he's a Rangers man. He's never had it, and I think he stayed back in the first time round. I think he could have got moves to the Premier League, but he chose to stay at Rangers. And he showed when he did eventually go with for a fee in twenty twelve, when some of them left without any money back from Stephen Davis, remained at the club, made sure the club got a fee. Whether that was right or wrong, considering it went into Charles Green's pocket, will be long debated. But he stayed even then. They showed when he went down to the Premier League again that he was more than good enough to be in the Premier League. Uh, and then it was almost the first opportunity he got to come back. He was here. Even now, I think I believe his family's still on the South Coast, but he still chooses to play for Rangers because he's a Rangers man. Uh, like I say, Ultimate professional, a Rolls Royce player. Yeah. Back, I remember the first time round, he kept getting played out in the right of midfield. He wasn't the right midfielder, but he did more than a good job out there. And then we've seen ourselves how good he is in the central midfield. And the amount of times we as fans are saying we could do with Stephen Davis in there to pick the passes and pick open things. Yeah. He's going to go down in history as one of our better players, certainly from this generation. Yeah, you're probably, I don't know, maybe Barry Ferguson was probably the only player in the last 20 years that was maybe better than Davis, I think. Yeah. But even then, it's not by much. He's an absolutely fantastic player and fully deserves his place. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I'm a huge fan um, of Stephen Davis and his what he's given to Rangers over the years and his ability. Um Interestingly, I just want to come on to a point which I've seen a couple of times raised over the the past um, 24 hours or so. It's not one that I necessarily endorse, but it's one that I know a few a few do hold. And Shug, I'll come to you you first on this one. Um, Teddy Bears is, is brought up in the comments. Um, he says, I love McGregor, but when that happened to us in 2012, he was one that jumped ship. So should never be inducted into Hall of Fame. So are we supposed to forget that? What's your... Your thoughts on 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 that question around the how players reacted to the events in twenty twelve and and how that how with some players it does seem to stick for longer than 
with others. Yeah, personally, at the time, I was caught and annoyed, but having seen the, I realised this before the watershed, but the absolute shit show that came in and took over the club, whether the players were in knowledge about that and felt that it wasn't the right place to be, yeah, whether they left because they wanted to play at the top of the game. Yeah, I think they all had reasons now and I look back differently now to when I did at the time. Yeah, we'll probably never ever know exactly went on, what went on behind the scenes. The only two that I've still got bitterness towards are Stephen Naismith and Stephen Whitaker. Yeah, for the obvious reasons, yeah, at least one of them's tried to apologise for it since, but the other one is an absolute rat. Yeah, so, in terms of that, I can't, I can't really blame the players for what happened in 2012. It wasn't their choosing, and we know how much McGregor and Davis and things had to leave at the time. How much they loved the club. I'm sure it wasn't an easy call for them. I'm sure they weren't. Like some of them were maybe looking to jump ship as soon as they could. I think they'd have been two that were wanting to, that would quite happily have probably seen out the Rangers curious, even from a young age at that time. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point you make there, Shug, about how looking back you feel differently than you did in that in that moment. I think that's fair to say. That's definitely how I feel about it all. Um, I know some people still still hold the grudges that they felt at that at that time and, and they're not budging from them. Just a few comments that have come in while you've been speaking there. Uh, Teddy Bears follows up which is saying it's just with regards to the Hall of Fame. I feel he's forfeited that right. Um, the trying Scotsman said uh, nobody knew what was happening. I thought my club was gone. Curry Muncher says, to be fair, Teddy has a point as look at what Naismith still gets called and how the majority of fans think of him. Scott, what's your thoughts on on the, the, that situation and, and that point of view, I just, I, t- I totally respect the, the the points that have been made. You know, I mean, twenty twelve was as uh, Shug said was a complete shit show. Uh, you know, um, but I don't think we'll ever know what actually went on. The reason that Stephen Naismith and Stephen Whitaker get the the bulk of the criticism is the public press conference that they gave. You know, and that's. You know that's that's out there. You know, to <laughs> Alan McGregor, Stephen Davis, everybody else that left, they obviously took the advice of their agents and and what have you, and chose to chose to do what they thought was best for their career at, at that point. We don't know the ins and outs of it, but um, but I, I can see, I can understand why people think that should forfeit. For me, Alan McGregor across his two spells, Stephen Davis across his two spells, have been unbelievable Rangers players. Yeah, I, it would have been great if it had been continuous service. I think both players would have loved to have done continuous service. But um, what was going on around our club, 2012 to 2015, you know, it was, uh, you know, it, it was, you know, the guys are international players at that point. They weren't going to ha- hang around and you, you just, you don't know, you don't know what Charles Green, what the situation was. So it is what it is, but, but I'm no one for bearing grudges with them. Yeah, I think it's, it's one that will continue to... Um, 
to be discussed amongst Rangers fans. I don't think we're ever going to get a consensus, and people have the right to feel how they how they feel about that that time period. We all we all felt it really badly at that stage, and um, how people have, have reacted to that since is, is entirely up to them, and is entirely justified. I think that people are allowed to feel to feel how they feel. Um, one that I would question more about whether they're allowed to feel how they feel about it is um, the induction of James Tavernier into the Hall of Fame last night. Now, Scott, you mentioned just before we came on air that you thought basically there was Rangers seem to have left quite a big gap between um, announcing Stephen Davis and then announcing who the third player was to receive it. I think um, there was about 10 minutes between Alan McGregor and Stephen Davis and then they seemed to drag on and on and on to find out who the third player was. You, you suggested you actually thought they might be going a bit of a different way with it. Um, Caroline comes in and says, uh, thought it would be nice to have something special for Jimmy Bell and Walter. And I think that was the, the lines that your mind was going down, Scott, with it as well. Um, when James Tavernier was announced as as the third um, inductee last night, what was what was your reaction? I was surprised. You've you've basically covered. I mean, I I genuinely thought, you know, it was like ten past ten, twenty past ten, and I was like Sunday night. I want to go to my bed, sort of thing. But I'm not going to bed and waking up to seven thousand messages talking about who the third inductee is. You know, um, Tav was a it, it was a surprise because I, I I thought they were going to maybe do a special recognition awards. You know, it's generally it's players that are on that Hall of Fame board, but I thought Walter uh, would have been a would have been an appropriate um, decision. But Tav was the Tav was the choice. Listen, I love James, James Tavernier. What James Tavernier has given us since he signed in twenty fifteen for two hundred thousand pound has gave us some unbelievable moments. Um, it, it's very much he's. Is Marmite probably the best expression for uh, James Tavernier? Some people love him and will defend him till the cows come home. Other people will talk about he's cost us this, he's not lifted enough trophies. He's, it, it, it is what it is. I have an issue around all three players, and I, I'm talking generally here. I don't think anybody should be inducted to the Hall of Fame while they're still playing. Um, that's just that's nothing against Stephen Davis, Alan McGregor, or James Tavernier. I I just believe that's the way that it, that it should be. Um, but he's been inducted. I just hope that the next uh, over the next two two and a half years while he's at Rangers, that he cements his place in the Hall of Fame. He's now in the Hall of Fame, but for him to be remembered as a what I would what I would call a legendary Rangers captain, he has to win more trophies over the next two to three years. Um, I know that's separate to the Hall of Fame, but in order for time to be kind to James Tavernier, he has to have three or four league titles, three or four league cups, Scottish cups by the the end of his uh, end of his Rangers career. That's just what I look at. Richard Goff, Richard Goff was the nine in a row captain. You're never going to match that. But Barry Ferguson, five league titles, five league cups, five Scottish cups. That's the, the standard, the Rangers captain and standard, the Hall of Fame induction for me. 
but that's not taking away the moments that James Tavernier, particularly in Europe last season, you know, and the times that he dragged us through and the massive goals and the moments that he's given us, you know, but um, it's a... I am sitting very firmly on the fence. I can see both sides of the argument with regard to Tav. Yeah, Shug, before I, I come to you and get your thoughts um, on it, and we'll come to the, we'll come to the, I guess, the both sides of the argument in terms of why people think he should be and why people don't think he should be um, in a minute. Um, but just to highlight James Tabernier's stats, like I have done with the other two, um, he's been with Rangers for eight years. He joined us when we were in the Championship. Um, 387 appearances for Rangers, which interestingly is 41 more than Stephen Davis. 95 goals, which is just an incredible stat. Uh, one league title, which was obviously 55. Um, he won the Scottish Championship with us. One Scottish Cup, one Scottish Challenge Cup, one European final. I guess in there, you, see, you, you could probably say two major trophies. You wouldn't really count the, the Championship or the Challenge Cup in there at all. Um, two major trophies and one he captained us to a, a full undefeated season, which is no um, no mean feat in itself. Um, what were your uh, thoughts uh, on James Tavernier getting getting that nod to try and Scotsman highlight some of the stats there? 112 assists, en enough said, well-deserved captain. What were your thoughts? I'm, I'm with Scott on this one and that I don't think current players should be inducted into the Hall of Fame. More so James Tavernier because he's still got years at the club in front of him. Davis and McGregor could argue could be this could be their last season. Whereas Tavernier is gonna well he signed a four year deal, didn't he? So he's gonna go on. So I've absolutely no doubt and he is fully deserving that James Tavernier would have ended up in the Hall of Fame. Whether he left this summer or he leaves in four years' time, he would have ended up in the Hall of Fame at some point. His contribution to Rangers has been huge. And if Scott Parson ever allows me on to do my Rangers 11, me and him can argue over who the best right back in the club history was. I'll be firmly in the Tavernier camp whilst he tries to tell me Gary Stevens was better. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I just feel that it, it wasn't the right time for Tav to be in inducted into it. I don't I don't I get the being arranged on winning trophies and things like that is a big thing but at the same time one well there's a couple of people I thought should have been in but one of them was Lee Wallace and I think this is where the board are totally tone deaf with the fans I think the fans have got a hell of a respect for Lee Wallace and the club didn't congratulate Moni's retirement when he retired last season I think there's absolutely no chance of him getting inducted into the Hall of Fame under the current regime. Uh, but he captained us. He never won that many trophies. Somebody can maybe look it up, but um, no, he didn't win that many trophies. Uh, but he stuck by us and he went down the divisions when others left. He went down the divisions, gave up his international career uh, and went down the divisions but he would have been a perfect person for me to put in, having just retired and having made a huge contribution to getting us back where we belonged. Uh, but that's that's the current Rangers board. I think they're tone deaf toward the fans at times. Uh, I'm opening another can of worms. Started the best goalkeeper can of worms and now I'm starting the board can of worms. So this podcast 
Scott was right, could go on for about 24 hours or something. But yeah, that's Tom would have ended up in the Hall of Fame regardless. He would have ended up and he would he fully deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I just feel it wasn't the right time for him, if that makes sense. Yeah, we'll come back to the, the Lee Walls discussion because that's one I've got for a bit later on. And there's plenty of comments about Lee mentioning Lee Wallace as well. So we'll come back to that and we'll get we'll get Scott's opinion on that in a little bit. Just sticking with James Tavernier, some of the comments coming in. Teddy Bear saying his defending most of the time gives me the fear, but for his commitment to Rangers, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. The trying Scotsman, European Golden Boot as well, plus um, I assume that means an invincible season. Um any more to say the club needs to win more trophies, not the player. Uh, who cares? Saying the last right back to make such an impact was Sandy Jardin. He's not, he's not going to be in Scott Patterson's good books um, with that kind of chat. Um, Teddy Bears again, war division to Europa final. I think that kind of shows the, the scale of James Tavernier's rise with Rangers. And actually, it's, it's easy to forget that he joined us when we were in the championship and, and his taking each step as the club's taking each step and he's absolutely taking it in his stride like he said last and um, like we saw last year with the with the Europa League final. Um let's have a let's have a look at some of the, the arguments against they tend to be Scott that he hasn't won enough and that he's still playing. Um some of the comments I've just pulled some some comments from Twitter that I saw over the past 24 hours that kind of caught my eye. Um so interested in your thoughts on these um, so at the quiet kid 18 said, I've seen people say captain the club through darkest time in its history and the stuff Tav's had to go through already tonight. The truth is he's he's the most mollycoddled, protected, shielded captain in our history with a horrific record. Stop. Um, at Chris McKell 16 said, I'm prob- probably Tav's biggest supporter. Each fan has their own opinion on whether he deserves Hall of Fame, but it's horrendous timing by the club and pretty ridiculous to do it the week of the cup final in the middle of the season. Uh, at MBS1872 said Hall of Fame has lost some of its luster now. I would question actually that it probably lost its luster when Nacho Novo got inducted into the Hall of Fame, but um, that's a question, that's one we can come back to. And at Willman98 said, arrived off the back of our worst ever season, played virtually every minute in eight seasons, captained the club in five of those seasons, became only the fourth man to captain us to a European final, should should have more trophies, yes, but moronic to think he doesn't deserve it, legend. It's quite a broad spectrum of, of comments there, Scott. What kind of stood out to you about that, about those? The, the quiet kid was, I was following him last night. He was, he was entertaining and he, there's a bit of fishing going on. You know, he, he, he does, does a, I think he probably does believe a lot of what he says, but not a lot of it said to get a to get a reaction sort of thing. Uh, the one thing for me, James Tavenier signed in 2015, and I think he's incrementally improved every single season. I don't think he's having as good a season this year because I think the last couple of seasons he'd set a very, very high bar. I actually think his defending has improved. The amount of goals, I think back to Warburton, he lost at the... I can visualise losing four goals at Tynecastle on a Wednesday night just before Warburton, and Tav lost the same goal twice at the back post. So I think he has improved as a player. You know, I mean, his appearance records uh, is phenomenal. I can't remember all the other discussion points with regard to... I mean, the Hall of Fame, that's another... Is that... For me, I think I quoted 80 at the start. 
I think there should maybe be half as many. You know, I don't, I don't think there's eighty worthy Hall of Fame. I think it is. It has been cheapened a little bit. Um, my biggest issue is the the timing of it. Uh, mid, well, three quarters of the way through the season, a week before a League Cup final, and whilst particularly Tav is going to be playing for another two or three years, I just think it's an additional pressure that he could probably have been that he could probably have been doing without. To be, to be perfectly honest with you, but he's one of these players that the Hall of Fame induction only shows. I think only him and Alfredo probably stimulate as much discussion, if that makes sense. You know, there's very much a a pro camp or an or, a, or an against camp or or those that are somewhere somewhere in between. You know, but um, it's it's certainly it stimulated a lot of conversation. I mean, I think he was one that I thought was a real possibility. I mean, I'll throw this one in here. See the name I thought would have happened last night? I thought Chris Boyd was going to be inducted. If you were to say to me who deserves to be inducted, Chris Boyd or James Tavernier, I would say James Tavernier. You know, so for, for those people that are saying Tav doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, would you have taken Chris Boyd Ahead of James Tavernier, just just playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, I'd I'd have to agree with that. To be honest, and when it, when they had that delay, I wondered if it was going to be a former player. I I, I have no doubts personally that the James Tavernier the, uh, built, uh, should be in the Hall of Fame, but I didn't think now the time was right. Just because, like like everyone said, midway through a season, he's still going to be here for another two or three years. Um, he, uh, when he's about to lead us into a League Cup final against Celtic, we need to win more trophies. Um, I think all of those reasons are, are entirely valid. And I did think Chris Boyd was going to be the one that, that was inducted. And, and I'm, I'm not actually entirely sure why he hasn't been inducted as yet. Um, I realise the timing of his of his Rangers career kind of coincided with a gap in terms of inductees. But um, I'm not entirely sure why he hasn't been involved involved there. Um Shug, just bringing the discussion back to, to James Tavernier. Um is he the most underappreciated Ranger in terms of individual contribution, do you think? Yeah, but I think taking on the Rangers captaincy and being Rangers captain has hugely influenced him and influenced opinions upon him. He, because we all look at Richard Goff. It's like my Rangers captain again if Scott Parson lets me on my Rangers on that one. People would find out. Uh, but Richard Goff would be my ideal Rangers captain. And then you get Barry Fergus and things, people that shout in the passion on the field. Whereas Tav's very much a a modern day captain needs by example, rather than being a shouter and getting in about players and things like that. And I think that doesn't sit well with some. Uh, they want that passionate captain. He's so automatically, he's almost got another thing that he can be hit with. So, I think if he wasn't, if he wasn't captain, he was just purely contributing what he's contributed. People would just there wouldn't be a bad word about him. But I think it almost comes back from the captaincy. It's almost it makes him that bigger, that bigger person, and that's something that people can aim things at, like. Scott said him and Alfredo seem to be the two players that get it 
in the neck the most and seem to have the biggest divide among the fans. Uh, but I've absolutely no doubt that Tavos and the captain. If Connor Goldson was the captain and Tavos just just a right back, I think everybody would just be on the same page with him, I think. Yeah, I think that that additional responsibility of being Rangers captain is one that's interesting and adds another uh, dimension to the to the discussion, um, which I don't think is always is always realised by people when they when they talk about it. I think some people it's interesting the range of expectations that people have for uh, for a player, uh, given that everyone watches the same game of football um, each week. Um, it's interesting what expectations they have. Some people are are delighted with James Tavernier's goal contributions and they see that as his main role in the team. Other people think he should be defending better, which I think we would all like to see even a little bit better. But uh, uh, again, where's the balance? You strike with your right back. We want our full backs to be pushing forward. I don't necessarily think Borna Barisic is the best defensive left back in the world, but he can put in a, a great a great ball with his left foot and it's it's the balance of, of what do you want from your full backs and and that's why you buy a certain type of player to play that to play that position. I think sometimes we forget that as Rangers fans and we expect expect to have the complete player, which at our level is is very rare to find and at the level the amount of money we're spending as well is is very rare to find. So I, I think people's expectations are are interesting and you're you're seeing a bit of the split in that when you see the reaction to to James Tavernier's induction into the Hall of Fame. But despite the weird timing, I do think he is well well worthy of it and uh, he would have been in there if not now, in a couple of years. Anyway, Scott, I want to come back to a point that Shug raised um, previously, and it was around uh, the discussion around Lee Wallace. Um, we've had a few comments on it already, Ranger on tour with him be being recently retired. I thought Lee Wallace would have been inducted. Um, Curry Muncher says, that's a man that should be in there, no questions asked. Lee Wallace, uh, Paul Marigal, nothing has ever been said about Waldo, even when he was, he was forced out. What where do you stand on the the Lee Wallace discussion? Um, Shug mentioned that he obviously didn't win a huge number of trophies while he was with us, but he did stick with us when a lot of others jumped ship. Where where, where do you stand on on Lee Wallace? But I think the the expression was he stayed for the fight sort of situation. You know, I mean, he doesn't tick a lot of the boxes with regard to the the criteria, but he for me sacrificed his 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 career and his international career. Um, you know, he was probably picking up a, a decent wage, but I think the opportunity would have been there for him to go down south if the if if he had if he'd pushed for it, to be honest with you. Um again I'll be about double standards if I say I think he should be in the Hall of Fame when I already think there's too many people in the Hall of Fame. You know, I think he gave great service. He was very loyal, all that sort of stuff. But I, I need to stick to what I what I what I said. I don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame. But his his uh, contribution and his loyalty wouldn't be forgotten. And when I always talk about my wee boy, when I'm teaching my wee boy the Rangers story, and you're talking about players, Lee Wallace. When he asks me about Lee Wallace, I'll say, well, Lee Wallace was left back when Rangers went into administration and then went down to the third division and he captained us up through the... the. And I think 
the, there's a bit of politics at play. I think Shug uh, referred to it. I don't think the board make the decision with regard to these inductees, but there's clearly whatever has went on at that point when him and Kenny Miller were were uh, suspended and all that sort of situation, and the fact that there was no recognition for his for his retirement from football, you know, I think that's la- that lacked a bit of class, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, uh, recognise what the guy uh, gave while he was a, a Rangers player, but not Hall of Fame for me, but would certainly be uh, well remembered. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those ones that's right on the line, um, and I think it depends where you stand on the where the where the where the bar is for for a Hall of Fame entrance. Scott, you've mentioned already. You think there should be fewer than than there is currently. Um, some people are are happy with with where it is currently, and I guess it's where you land on that on that spectrum is as to where Lee Wallace um, would be in or would be out. But I think I do think that Lee Wallace deserves special recognition. From the club, I don't think he'll get it under this board, and it might be something that comes in fifteen years' time, twenty years' time. Um, but I, th- I definitely think he deserves recognition, and it might even be something that fans can can get on board with and 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 bring together as a as a special recognition award of some kind. And we'll come on to talking about fan influence on the club very shortly. But just to carry hey, on. Craig, there's a couple, a couple of the comments. I don't know if uh, the guys picked it up. Curry Muncher and I think it's Caroline asking who makes the decision. Obviously, I listed way back in 99 the names Sir David Murray and Sandy Jardin and, and what have you. David Mason is the club historian. David Mason will still be very heavily involved. I, I do I do believe John Gregg will continue to be involved in it, but I think there's probably a, a committee, maybe three or four, and certainly those two will be uh, will be involved. Um, I, 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 I doubt if there's uh, anybody else within the, the sort of board that I would say is is skilled enough to do that, but certainly I would say David Mason as club historian and, and John Gregg will certainly be involved in the decision making process, but potentially guided by guided by the board. Who am I to say? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really interesting point actually. It's not one that I'd given much consideration as to, as to who was actually making the decision. And um, perhaps wrongly, you just assume that the most qualified people are making the decision, but that's not always been been the case in Rangers history. And maybe I should maybe I should have learned a bit more about 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 um, making that assumption. But it was that's really interesting. It might be a Myers. It might be a Myers uh, poll next time, like the, in four years' time. Uh, pay fifty pounds for a vote, and you get fifty Myers points. Sorry, I'm sure I'll be more than fifty quid anyway, so um, don't worry about that. Um, we'll just tie off this th- this discussion on the Hall of Fame with a couple of comments that have just came in. Lorraine Murray saying no issues with any of the inductees, but it's just weird to have current players in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. And then Leslie Ferguson coming as well. I think Boyd was a lazy player, but knew exactly where the goals were. And Tav is not a defender. I think we all know that, but for a right back to score nearly a hundred goals is phenomenal. Concerning uh, Gordon Smith was at Ibrox for three years and scored fifty. I think um, I think if you frequent Twitter quite a bit, you'll see that James Tavernier scored his fiftieth penalty for Rangers at, at the weekend, um, and it upset a lot of people, which is um, which is quite enjoyable to say the least. Um, moving on now to I guess a, a different discussion, but one that was brought up 
um, towards the end of last week, and that was um, Club 1872 and their influence around around Rangers or their non-influence around Rangers. Perhaps we should say there was a um, an article in the Herald at the weekend written by uh, Matthew Lindsay talking about, obviously, the end of of Club 1872's opportunity to buy Dave King's shares. Um, they, they had an agreement with Dave King that his 14.47% shareholding could be bought for £13 million, but that ended in failure when they weren't able to, to achieve that, that amount of money being raised. Um, initially, Club 1872 was set up as a vehicle for Rangers fans to ensure um, that fans always have a say in the running of the club and the events of 2012 never happen again. Since then, though, it seems like they've been surrounded in controversy and infighting um, and have been shown to have very little influence in the club over the years. Shug, I'll come to you first for, I'll throw you the the hospital pass on this one, I'll come to you. Um, but I think one of the, I think it's what's more galling than anything, I think, is when you see it working for other clubs. I think when you see the Foundation of Hearts, for example, and their 8,000 members and the way they've been able to invest so heavily in their club. You look at what we have currently in the, in the shape of Club 1872 and the scale of what we could potentially have if if it were run correctly and, and if everything was was moving forward as, as one and you think the amount of money that could be raised um, through that for investing in the club and, and securing that um, influence on the club. What are your thoughts on club? 1872. Uh, try not to be controversial, but be as controversial as you want to be, Shug. <laughs> uh, they weren't for me, not for me at all. Uh, I think it was a job for the boys and the girls within it. Uh, I don't think they speak for the fans. Uh, seem to be. A lot of the time, it seems to be they seem to be speaking for themselves rather than actually what the full consensus of the fan. I think the problem we've got as Rangers for a club like that is that we are sitting here and there's probably a dozen or more people in the comments, and we all have different views, different opinions. And we clubs like Hearts, it's easier to get that group and things like that. But I dare say you could probably go to Ibrooks and well next Saturday, whenever our next home game is, and you could take out a section of 8,000 and there'll be another 42,000 that don't agree with that 8,000 and things like that. Because we're just, we're such a big club and we all come from different backgrounds and things like that. We're not just a small little club in Edinburgh. So I think it's hard to get a consensus on it. I would love it to be run like the German model, uh, the fan majority and things like that within clubs, but it's never going to happen. And I think nowadays you need people with money to be running the club because, as we've seen over the last few years with soft loans and things like that, that's something you need to draw down on. Uh, if my GLs had been run properly, and yeah, that's me opening more cans of worms. Uh, if it had been run properly, that that is a way of getting money directly into the club from the fans for 
very little, but it just seems to cause more controversy than anything else. Uh, but it is almost a fan membership scheme, a bit like what the Foundation of Hearts is, kind of thing, uh, along them lines, as far as I'm led to believe that the Foundation of Hearts is fans putting money in where they can and things. But no, for Club 1872 for me was no, it's like asking you for 500 quid or whatever it was so they can buy shares and you've got nothing and you've got one vote in a, amongst everything. So uh, it wasn't going to ever work for me. Yeah, you, you touched on quite a bit there. And to be honest, I don't think Club 1872 was ever envisioned to make Rangers a fan-owned club. I think we have to be realistic about about that and the level of investment that's consistently needed uh, to push Rangers forward, especially in today's footballing world. So I don't ever think that was that was the case. Scott, I'm just going to bring out a couple of comments before I come to you for for your thoughts and sort of pushing the discussion forward. Curry Muncher saying, Craig, that was a problem. It was not a vehicle for fans. It was a vehicle for Club 1872, and that's what the problem was. Caroline says, it seems a bit of a closed shop. Um, the trying Scotsman, I don't know who Club 1872 are. I know I don't like them. Uh, Ophir a Hill saying, I found Club 1872 even less straightforward than my jars. Um, I think that's, uh, that's a bit of a summary of where people's thoughts are um i guess my next question was going to be why hasn't it worked but i guess those comments are probably sim- symptomatic or emblematic of, of why it hasn't worked i to, to be honest with you i mean i think back to when it when it all started there's always i'm not saying it turns into a bit of popularity contest but there's, there's people were put into positions that weren't particularly pop uh, popular uh, I know Dave King was invo- very heavily involved back in 2015 with regard to uh, Club 1872, and I'm not naming anybody, but there was people put into positions with, uh, within Club 1872 that were Dave King's choice. And then, obviously, when uh, Dave King and the board fell out a couple of years ago, what has obviously happened with regard to... Dave King and Club 1872 sell the shareholding uh, that way, you know. I mean, the, the shareholdings just diluted and diluted and diluted. I mean, there was a point where I think they were sitting at about 8 eight or 9% share. I think it's down to under 5 now because that's what happens when you have additional, additional like, we've released another 4 million shares. It just dilutes and dilutes and dilutes and... I think it's it's a busted flush, you know. It's the the ship has uh, sailed with regard to it. Um, I, you could put other people in there, but the damage has been done. The same problems will still be there, you know. What is it they say? If you had three Rangers fans on a on a desert island, you would have four supporters clubs by the by the end of it, sort of thing, you know. I mean, that's just the nature of the Rangers support. I'm obviously older than most. Uh, and I remember the Ranger Supporters Trust when it started 20-odd years ago, and the Ranger Supporters Trust, uh, David Edgar, Hart and Hand fame, and all that sort of stuff, they were involved. Mark Dingwall, when David Murray was in charge, it wasn't successful. So we're 20-odd years on in Club 1872. is exactly, exactly the same, you know. So uh, there's 5% of shares sitting there, I don't know how many people are still contributing. The communication was poor. There was no transparency. There's just, I was a contributor to a point, but I just reached a stage where I thought, you know what? 
I'm going to give the money to the Rangers pools or the Rangers lotto, and at least I know where the money's going. I've got a chance of winning something for it instead of just donating money to Club 1872. And that's just me. You know, how many other people thought, thought in a similar in a similar vein? But I think you're now we're in a cost of living crisis. People are people are only going to give money to a, an organisation that they don't trust. Um, Rangers take enough of their money without giving it to to, to an, to an organisation like Club 1872. Yeah, I thought I thought you were going to go into to promote the fact that you sold the winning Rangers Lotto ticket there at the at the last home game, but you managed to you managed to refrain yourself. So. Um, Scott's obviously the lucky ones. Uh, so if you see him at the game, is it the the West Enclosure? Is that? I, I sell the halftime draw tickets in the, the West Enclosure, and uh, the last home game somebody uh, lifted just short of five grand. So I look forward to meeting them at the the next home game. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully, I, I, hopefully, hopefully, I get more than just a shake of the hand. <laughs> but <laughs> you never see them again, Scott. Don't you worry. Um, the last point just on Club 1872, Trying Scotsman here saying we're too big for fan ownership. Hearts are a wee club from Weedicay. I think my next question was going to be, uh, Shug, will it ever happen? I guess the article that Matthew Lindsay wrote suggested that it needs Club 1872 needs a, a squad rebuild, in inverted, inverted commas, um, to, to be able to have any chance of success. I'm not convinced that even if there was a squad rebuild that it would um, be able to, to capture people's imagination. Again, do you think, like like Scott says, that it's just it's a busted flush now and if, if anything's going to, going to work, it's going to have to be a new, a completely new and revamped model? Yeah, I don't ever see it working out. Yeah. It wouldn't matter who it was that got involved in it. I still wouldn't be investing what very little money I've got into it for somebody else to have the say and me to have nothing to pass on at the end of the day even if it was just one share or something like that i'd still rather be able to pass it on down the line yeah i don't think it's something that i don't see anything replacing club 1872 and as we say as scott's saying three fans in an island you get four rangers supporters clubs they could put in Whoever they wanted, but there's always going to be people that are not going to take to them. Yeah, probably a bit like podcasts. Yeah, there's just some people that you can take to, and some people you can't, and stuff like that. Some, it's, I think they'll be 1872 would be the exact same. It's, there'll be some people involved in it that half the fans can take to, and then the other half like, and stuff like that. You're never going to get that general consensus. Something that makes our club so great is that we'll have our own views and our own opinions. We're not just sheep and not even in the Aberdeen kind of way, but we're not, we don't just follow the one lead and hey, everybody does something. So and I love our club for having our own views, our own opinions. So hey, it's not something I've already seen working at Rangers. We're too big a club. Yeah, you mentioned Shug there, not everyone. Uh, might like podcasts or certain people on podcasts. There was someone at the start of the the show, and I, I've lost the comment, but they were a huge fan of your Annan accent. So, um, so we're uh, delighted with that one. Uh, right, let's move on to talking about the football. It's a huge week for Rangers uh, coming up. We are six days away, so probably a bit a bit far away to do a proper preview of the game. But it's it's the only game that's on our 
our minds at the moment. Scott, at this stage, Monday, looking ahead to a Sunday League Cup final against Celtic, how are you? How are you feeling? Excited, you know. I just thinking that three uh, three o'clock on Sunday, it's going to be a very long week um, to to get to that point. But if if the the best version of Rangers that we showed at Tynecastle a few weeks ago turn up, we can lift the cup. You know, um, I think we will need a better performance to to do that. Um, but I think we're more than capable. Um, I, I, I just think it's it's the stay in the game, stay in the game and be as competitive going into the latter stages. Of, unless you unless you wipe the floor with them early, you know. But you know the situation when you come up up against them. They'll try to they'll try to uh, go 100 miles an hour for the first 45 to 60 minutes, and I think we just have to stay uh, competitive and in the game to that point, um, and then team selection. We just don't know because we don't know who's going to be who's who's going to be available. But I think we do have some options, even if even if uh, players are missing. But uh, I'm confident that if we were to sit here next Monday night, that James Tavernier will have lifted another trophy. I, I do think that will happen. Yeah, Shug, I'm potentially probably not as confident as, as Scott is, but I think it's interesting the way Scott worded. Um, Staying in the game, I think a lot of times against Celtic in recent years, when we've when we have lost to them, it's because we've been blown away in the first twenty minutes and we're two 0 down before we've even had time to to make about five passes. And I think that's an interesting mindset to go into a game with because you you know you have to compete from minute one, um, and I think that's the least I expect from a Rangers team when they go into an old firm game not never mind dominate the the possession and dominate the game and, and put their put our own stamp on on the game how are you feeling heading into into sunday and how do you expect us to i guess on a very top line level how do you expect us to to approach it um i'm on the roller coaster one minute i'm super confident next minute i'm like super pessimistic yeah and that's why I'm got it. There's no midweek game because I've got this for the whole week. Flying to Canada on Monday, I'm not worried about that. But the old farm on Sunday is the one that's really getting at me just now. Uh, we've, we've all seen it. We've went into games with teams and you thought we've not got a chance. Balogun playing it right back. You think that we're weak and we end up winning. Then we've went in with games with our strongest team and we've lost. It's just that's why the old form is why it's so good because you just can't predict it. Nobody's ever going to bet the house on anything. Uh, I think the the cup semi final when we're in the championship, I think that's proof of that. And that was probably the weakest team we've ever filled in the old form and we came away victorious. Uh, so I'll be nervous right up into um I think my head is leaning towards being confident. I think I think Michael Beale could maybe do the number in orange and he's he can never stop whatever it is he keeps going on about. He, I think Scott says it's, it's staying in the game a bit, but we know they are going to tire quicker than us he, the way they play. And as long as we're in the game after an hour, I think I think we'll bring it home. He, confident. More confident now because we've got 
we're defence is sorted out. We know that five are going to play. Tillman will be interested to see whether he makes it back or not. But we've got options, and that's something we've not had in a lot of the previous games against them. Is options, options in almost every position. The fullback's probably the only position where there's absolutely no options. But other than that, I think the squad's looking strong, and yeah, we should be confident going into it with no reason not to be. Yeah, I'm going to bring in a couple of comments before I ask um, the next question. Callum C is saying our defence better not concede in the first five minutes. Paul McGarrigal saying that they think midfield will be key, stop them passing, get right in about them. Callum, again, not the most confident person in the world at this stage, it seems. Um, doesn't feel confident with the players uh, and how they were under Geo. Um, I, think it's, I think it's interesting to... And it's not one I had actually thought of until you said about the back five there, Shug. Scott, do you think, and this, is, this question will be in two parts. Firstly, we're going to have a few new signings, I expect, starting the game on on Sunday. How do you feel about their first experience of an old firm game being being a cup final, looking at the likes of Nicholas Raskin and, and uh, Todd Cantwell? I th- well, I know it's very, very early and... It's what we do as Rangers fans. You get overexcited when a player comes in like Raskin and he passes the ball forward and he looks comfortable and he just instantly looks like a footballer. You know, um, I, I think he would, I think he'll take to it like a, you know, I don't think there's anything at all to worry about. His quality looks obvious to me. Uh, who, he, who plays alongside him, I'm more concerned about. Uh, I, I I hope that John Lundstrom uh, is is fit because I do believe that that'll be the that'll be the two that'll that'll start in the sort of deeper deeper midfield um, and then it'll be Tillman or or Cantwell that plays ahead of that plays ahead of them sort of thing you know but it's I, I don't I don't think the fact that's a that their old firm debut will have any. Um, any impact at all, you know? I, I I think the hope is that the injured players, you want all the injured players to be available, whether it's for the start or to 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 influence it from the bench. And although Raskin hasn't played a lot of football since November, he he looks so far. I know it's a hundred miles an hour and all that sort of situation, you know. But his early signs are very positive for him that he'll take to it fine. Yeah, and the second part of the question, which I forgot to ask you when I asked you the first part, um, was that in the past we've used a cup goalkeeper um, and John McLaughlin has played, <laughs> both of your faces suggest that way, John McLaughlin has played um, in the vast majority of the cup games so far um, and while McGregor played against Partick Thistle, do you think Al McGregor will be the man between the sticks, Scott? I, I would certainly hope so. You know, um, between now and the end of the season, there's no reason at all to be messing about with rotation. I think we've got the Hibs game in a couple of weeks' time where we're going to be playing like three games in a week. You might get a bit of a change there because Griggs's old bones might not be able to handle three games in a week. But I think for every other match, Alan McGregor, as the goalkeeper until the summer when he retires and then we sign a new goalkeeper. Simple as that. Yeah. Shug, just a, a, you can give us a one-word answer to the goalkeeper situation. Um, I assume it's on the lines of what Teddy Bears has said. 
there um, and then interested in your thoughts on on some of the new signings starting on Sunday and, and how you feel about that. Uh, in terms of the goalkeeper, uh, 4 0. That, that's all I need to say. That just brings me back the fear giving away three goals. Don't need a goalkeeper that does that. Not again. Never again. Yeah. He was terrible, and that's just giving me. People had born of fears after McLaughlin fears. Yeah. Because he was literally to blame for at least three of the goals, quite possibly four of them. Yeah, that pass to them for the fourth one, no, no, can't be having it. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'll, I'll pull you out of that that memory, Shug. We don't want to dwell too long on that one. Let's talk about yeah. Raskin and Cantwell. Where, um, how do you see them kind of fitting in, and do you expect that those two to start as a minimum? Raskin, I think, will definitely start. Cantwell, it'll depend on Tillman. No fears about Cantwell taken to because he just seems so laid back. I don't think it'll bother him. Uh, but I would, I don't expect Cantwell to play if Tillman's fit. Uh, I think Tillman will play that role. I think Tintwell, Tillman, Morelos, and Kent in that sort of three, and he'd probably go a little bit. Stephen Otway, Lundstrom and Jack if he's fit and uh, Raskin. That would be my early predictions if these players are fit. Uh, so, but I think if Cantwell does play, then I don't think it'll face him. Raskin, I think he just gives you that impression that he's going to love it. It's going to be his type of game. He's going to be right in a bar. His comments at the weekend saying that he's looking forward to it because he wants to show that we are a better team. That's that's the kind of player. That's the kind of thing I want a Rangers player to be saying going into these games that they want to prove that we are the better team. So I'm looking forward to Raskin getting amongst it. I think he's the exact type of player we've missed in these games. That's all. I mean, he didn't get the nickname Pitbull for nothing. So that type of player that's going to be in there and in their faces and things like that. So I look forward to. It. I am. I am on the. Semi-confident, but uh, on my thing videos now, on my travels, my week-long journey to the old farm. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm no, I'm no sweat if Cantwell or Raskin stop either or both. I think they'll be absolutely fine. I don't think it's going to phase either. Yeah, and Scott, just a, a final point on on the game at, at this stage of the week. Um, Phil Podden, I'm going to call him Tex. I'm not sure that nickname's quite stuck yet, but I'm going to call him Tex. Says, uh, I think Michael Bale was taking anxiety out of the old firm occasion, hoping he, can, he hoping he can continue that going forward and focus on the tactics in football. I think that was definitely how I felt under Stephen Gerrard when the old firm games came around. I think it was completely lost under under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, but I did feel it again when I saw the game at New Year's. That. Is that how you would you agree with with Tex about that situation? I think you're on mute, Scott. I think you almost made it through the whole. <laughs> you think to the performances under uh, under Gerard? You know, I mean, we we were very much the dominant force uh, even the season before fifty five. We we were very good in the old forum the old forum matches over the last twelve months. Celtic have obviously they've flipped that. But it can very much 
we we are now in a position where we're probably going to play Celtic. We've got two league games and potentially two cup finals between now and the summer. In an ideal situation, you win all four games, but see if you could come out with three wins out of four. That then gives you something to build on moving into moving into next season. And I think tactically, I think Michael Beale is very very clever, and I, I hope that he sh- he shows that on. Uh, he shows that again on on Sunday. He knows how to adapt and and set his team up a certain way. The one thing I haven't said, I think Kemar Roof will play a big role on Sunday. I'm not saying he's going to start the game, but I think he's really impressed me in the in the two cameo appearances he's had off the bench the last two games. So I'm taught. I spoke about earlier stay in the game for as long as possible. He's the type of player that. It, could come on after 65, 70 minutes and really be a game changer and could ultimately be the match winner. I wouldn't write uh, that uh, storyline off at all because he's really, really impressed me the way he's quickly came back for the injury. Yeah, I think Kamaru's movement is all... You always forget about how good his movement is when he's not not in the park and you do, um, you do forget how clinical he can be with chances as well. He had one, one sighter, I think, when he came off the... The, the bench at Mother at Mother at Livingston at the weekend and then the next one was in the back of the net and I think that's the kind of as how clinical we need to be as a team especially in games like this and Kamar Roof has shown in the past against Celtic as well just how how important he can be uh, on that one um, and just to finish us off text coming in there says 100% regretting that name decision so you can't call yourself something like that and then not expect it to be to be taken up uh, but I think we're at an hour and 15 minutes almost there for, for tonight's pod a wee bit over than, than normal but there's plenty to talk about um, Scott thank you very much for joining us No problem it's been a pleasure I could have kept on talking but it's uh, we'll cut it there Yeah I, I need some food so we'll, we'll cut it here <laughs> and Shug thank you very much for joining us No problem enjoyed it uh, just want to say that I am more confident of us winning on Sunday than I am of Kim Riv not having picked up an injury before then. I think it's been fit for a week. So, yeah, I think I'm more confident in winning Sunday than Riv not getting injured before then. But fingers crossed, both will be on the right side on Sunday night. Yeah, fingers crossed both both are there on Sunday. Uh, and I think that all it's left me to say is thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the TII YouTube channel, toggle on those notifications and you'll get an email every time we go live with a podcast or every time a bit of content is uploaded. Please do like the video if you've enjoyed the content tonight. That really helps to to widen our reach on YouTube uh, and make sure more Rangers fans are able to see the TII podcast. In terms of what we've got coming up for the rest of the week, uh, Kyle will be live on Wednesday night at 7pm with with more build-up to, to the weekend's game and the latest talking points all around Rangers. I will be live um, just ahead of the weekend with a full preview, including uh, pre-match, I was going to call it post-match press conference, pre-match press conference, um, comments from, from Michael Beale and the players. And then we'll be live on Sunday night for a flagship, only a couple of hours after the game, and hopefully celebrating Rangers' first trophy of the season. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Oh, yeah.